Thank you. Love you. Love you too. Thank you. Hey, welcome. I hope preaching is like riding a bicycle, right? You just, you never forget, I hope. Um, I have really missed you this summer and uh, honored that you would let me serve as your pastor. Dangerous Church is constantly grounded in prayer. We need to increase our prayer intensity. Dangerous Church has no geographical limits. They are going to launch our next New Hope Campus in North Durham. Father, I want to thank you for these missionaries who decided to go forth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are going to be the people of God. Hey, 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 welcome to New Hope Church. I just went a little bit above the speed limit in the name of Jesus, and it was awesome. We're talking about the church being anointed with power, and we're talking about the church being dangerous to the gates of hell. We're talking about the church taking territory from the enemy, pushing back darkness. We're talking about the church being dangerous. Hey, welcome to part two of Dangerous Church. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Acts chapter two, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers, get a vision of this church. Get a vision of the body of Christ living this way together. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he or she had need, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The first church that Jesus told Peter would take territory against the enemy and that the gates of hell would not overcome it was a church where every single person was needed and every single person was known. Every single person was needed because we will never be the church God is calling us to be if you are not participating, if you are not engaged in the vision. And the church is most healthy when everybody is known. This is how they did life together. This is what it looks like to be a dangerous church. Hey, hey. Welcome, glad you are here. It was so good to be back uh, last week and I just wanna say thank you again. Uh, I, I, I won't keep saying it, but thank you for the reception and the warmth and the care and the letters and the cards. I, I really feel like, no joke, like I'm one of the, the most blessed person, pastor on the planet to know and to love and to serve you as the beautiful church that you are. I never knew a church could be so uh, gracious and loving. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I just want to let you know, if you haven't done it yet, like you haven't lived life until you went around a racetrack. 
at 150. The official speed came back 153.9 miles an hour. Nobody wants to do that? I guess a lot of you are like, I'm not sure I want to do that. I've, I've already talked to some guys, though. They've already registered with the Charlotte Motor Speedway for the NASCAR experience. It is awesome. And I uh, want to encourage you to do that if you like to take risk. Um, hey, we want to welcome our campuses today, but we also want to give a huge shout out to the North Durham campus. They are launching today, not the grand opening. Not the grand opening. They will do a month of soft launch worship celebrations, but we love you guys. We're praying for you over there, and we're so thrilled to send out a big group of people. And if you're here, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but you live anywhere near North Durham, and you would like to go be a part of that, just mark that on your Connect card. Hey, we want to give it up for the Garner Campus, the Sanford Campus, North Raleigh, Hillsboro Coffee House. Had a great crowd in the coffee house last Sunday. And if you're, if you're here in the, the Durham area and you don't like the, maybe the, the size of this worship center and you want something smaller or you want something a little more scaled back musically, Coffee House goes down at 1045 on Sunday afternoons. It's here in the Durham campus upstairs. We serve free gourmet coffee. And if it sounds like we're trying to create space, it is because we are. So that is a great experience for you up there. The Columbia campus, Karibu to my Kenya peeps. Those of you here at Durham and the Internet Campus, come on, would you welcome them all? Welcome them all to the movement. We love you guys at all of our locations. Hey, last week, last week I gave you this verse from Acts 1.14, and I want you to go ahead and, and, and read it one more time because I don't know what celebration you were at last week, but I, I neglected to do a point of application that I really feel led to go back and get because it's this important. So Acts 1, 14, all of our uh, campuses ready, go. They all joined together. They did what? They joined together constantly in prayer. And you might have been at a location where you didn't hear this last week. I want you to pull out your phones and I want you to set an alarm for 114. 1.14 p.m. from Acts 1.14, and I want us to be a, a movement of people who at 1.14, our phones go off and we pray wherever we are. We pray for this church. I've come back from sabbatical calling us to increase our prayer fervor, our prayer intensity in the life of this church. Amen? To which some of you might be thinking, was that, is that p.m. or a.m.? I don't care. I, it'd be cool for me to believe that people are up at 1.14 a.m. praying. And if you feel like you're like, there's no way I could pray at 1.14. I'm in a meeting every, every day at 1.14. Then set it for 1.14 a.m. But whatever it takes, whenever you think you'll be able to pray better for our church, pray for our church. Amen? Amen. So we started out last week talking about the fact that this can be a dangerous world that we live in. It can be a scary world world that we live in. In fact, I heard a study just this week that a third of Americans live in significant anxiety and fear about the world in which we live. And so I've 
come to do a series that would remind the people of God anyway that we are equipped, we are enabled, we are empowered, we are infused with the Holy Spirit to live in a very dangerous, scary world, but to do so with boldness and steadfastness. If you read the book of Acts, you'll see this over and over again. They lived in a dangerous world too, but they did it with boldness. They did it with strength and power. And when the Holy Spirit comes on us, we can do the very same thing. Because, hey, come on, let's just be honest about it. We have just a few options to live in this world. One is you can slip into some kind of isolationism. Had an old timer tell me just this week, well, pastor... The world's going to hell in a bread basket. I, I don't even go out anymore. He, he said, I just stay home all the time. That's an option, isn't it? But that's not the call of God upon the people of God. The call of God upon the people of God is to not shrink back and slip into some sort of isolationism, but it is to engage the world, to live in the world, but not of the world, but to be so enamored and empowered and infused with the Holy Spirit that we can live in a very dangerous world securely in the grip of our great God, who not only holds us, but holds the future in the palm of his hand. Can I hear an amen? Which is why, by the way, after this series, I'm going to spend probably seven weeks on Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. You can go ahead and read that anytime over the next few weeks. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, our next message series is going to be called The Battle Within. How to survive the fight of your life. And we're going to be looking at that text in Ephesians. And we're going to be hitting a text that I know has been poorly interpreted over the years. But a powerful passage. We're going to look at the passage of spiritual warfare about wearing and putting on the full armor of God. Because we cannot stand the, the schemes of the enemy if we are not empowered and equipped with the full army of God. But that's the next series. Let's stay where we are today. Somebody's excited about it. Hey, somebody's excited. I'm excited about it. Because I tell you, you cannot live. I, I come back again. I come back just disappointed and discouraged as I look at the church in America and Christians in America because many Christians in America, A, are not even aware of the schemes of the enemy and what he's trying to do in our lives. Y'all don't got me excited. Now I'm talking more about the series. (laughs) They're not even aware that the enemy is alive and well on planet Earth, number one. Number two, they don't understand his schemes. And number three, they don't understand how God has equipped us and tells us in the word how you are to stand firm in the midst of the battle. And many of us are drowning and dying and just, just, just floundering all over because we don't understand our identity and the power of the gospel in our lives. I kind of feel like I should just do the series right now because <laughs> you folks are ready for it. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But for now, Acts chapter 2, and, and, and hopefully you, you got your Bibles open on your phone or your tablets. Go ahead and check in and, and pull up the app if you use that. But in Acts chapter 2, we learn some very important things about how we are called to be the dangerous church. In Acts chapter 2, we see the fellowship of the believers. You see, if you've got a Bible open, the heading will probably say the fellowship of the believers. But the early dangerous church was committed to the apostles' teaching. Like they were committed to the word of the Lord. Side note, connect the dot. Ephesians 6 said we are to put on the belt of truth. It's the word of God. The problem with with many of us today is we don't have any standard in our lives. 
We live in a day of relativity. And we got all kinds of multiple versions of truth. No, 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 no. There is one truth. There is one standard. And that is the word of the living God. Come on now. Come on. So the first church we see in Acts 2 is they were committed to the apostles' teaching. Just keep letting your eyes fall on the text. I'm not going to read it because I read it when I was in Charlotte. The early church ate together. Let the hungry people say amen. Amen. They broke bread together in their homes. They, They were committed to prayer. Keep looking at the text. Notice in verse 44, they were together and they had everything in common. Meaning they would share their possessions If one person was in need, the community of faith gathered around and met that need. They came together. They met in the temple courts. They were doing life together. They were family. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It was in this family, this church, that the people of God found community. In fact, you can go all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible. And in Genesis, after God made the man, he looked at the man and basically said, boy, you need some help. (laughs) That's Benji's interpretation. I can't give you a verse for that. But that's basically the, the gist of it. And then you might recall that we find this incredible verse in Genesis 2.18. Let's read it out loud together. Genesis 2.18. Ready? Go. It is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for the man to be alone. Let the women say, amen. Amen. Let the men say, I'm all right. It's not good for man to be alone. So God made the woman. You and I, listen closely, this is all joking aside. You and I were created for community. We were created by our God for intimate community. Yes, with a, with a spouse if God has destined us to be married. Not everybody is. But, but secondly, and, and maybe even equally as important, we are created for community in the family of God. We are created to love one another. We are created to serve one another. We are created to bless one another. This is what you see in the first dangerous church. And not only does Luke talk about it in Acts, but look at Romans 12.5. Romans 12.5. Out loud. We're going to read it together. Ready? Go. In Christ, we who are many form And each member belongs to the others. Each member does what? Belongs? All of our campuses. All of our campuses. Come on, come on, come on. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. And with some sass, say, you belong to me. Man, y'all did that good. Y'all did that good. Because because some of you are like power-hungry people. And you, you like for things to belong to you. So look back at the same neighbor, look back at the same neighbor, all of our campuses, and say, I belong to you too. That's it. There you go. Yeah. We we belong to one another. Two words, two words that the Lord, of all the things, and I told the staff this week in a staff meeting, I can't come back from, from being with God for 12 weeks. I can't come back and dump it all on you on one Sunday. That, that, you don't want that, believe you me. So I'm being a little more strategic and I'm just going to dump it out every Sunday as we go along. But (laughs) 
anyway, um, <laughs> um, anyway, um, the two words I gave them this week that, um, that the Lord really gave me this summer is needed and known. Needed and known. Everybody say needed and known. One more time. Some of you are still trying to figure out what just happened a few minutes ago. I know. Right. Everybody say needed and known. Needed and known. A dangerous church is where we are truly needed and known by our church family. Needed and known. There's great power when all of those numbers are needed. And not only are they needed, but every single person here at any of our campuses or the person who's sitting at home and you're watching this all by yourself and you feel lonely, you feel isolated, you feel empty, God's vision for your life and for the church is that we would be a community of faith where everybody is needed and known. Exactly. Needed and no, I'm gonna do something that, that can get a little cray cray. Just telling you, I need two volunteers. I need two volunteers who will come up on stage with me in this moment. I promise I'm not gonna stick a microphone in your face. Promise I'm not gonna make you say a thing. I just need two volunteers. Come on, give me two volunteers. Give me two volunteers. I'll call on you. You, don't, you can't just come, you just can't come walking. I'll call on you, brother, right there. I want you to come. And uh, ma'am, would you come? Ma'am, would you come? Come on. Come. Yes, you, please. Give it up for these two awesome volunteers. Yeah, right here, right here. Come, come stand right here if you don't mind. Oh, there you go. All right, so what's your name? Lori. Lori, I know who you are, Major. What's up, brother? This is an awesome leader, volunteer around here. So we got Lori yes. and Major. So check it out. When you go through life, there are basically two ways that you can live your life. You can either walk through the halls at any of our campuses or through the parking lot or when you walk into worship center or wherever you do your life during the week when you go to gas stations or banks or workplaces and you can live with a demeanor, with a disposition of embracing people or excluding people. What is it? Embracing people or? I'm trying to figure out which one of you looked the friendliest. Um, her? Her? Okay, so, so I would like for you, Lori, to, to demonstrate for the community of faith today. And by the way, your thousands of people are looking at you right now and even more on the Internet. And, and, I, and, and I want you to do your best gesture that would communicate embrace toward, toward major. You don't have to touch him, but you can if you want. But embrace. What, what, what would that look like? Oh, see? Give it up, give it up, give it up. Now, you, you're like the smiliness guy I've ever seen. You smile every Sunday. You're so happy. But I want you to turn that off for a minute. And I want you to show the, the community of faith here what would uh, disposition or demeanor of excluding look like, exclusion. What would that look like here? What would that look like here? Yeah, yeah. Just, just walked away from her, right? Come on back over here. So you got, you got one that is one of embrace and love, and you have another that's either he just turns his back, right, or he walks away from her. That is exclusion. And my question to you, come on back over here, Major. My question to you is which game do you play? 
How do you walk through your days every day with people who are like you and people who are not like you? People who you love to be around and the colleague at work that you want to punch in the face four out of five days. In the name of Jesus. Don't do it. In the name of Jesus. Uh, y'all stay right here because I'm not done with you. You're going to be up here a while with me. How, 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 how do you live? And I like it because I'm, cl- I'm close. So I can preach to people right here with me. So the way out there. How, how do you live? There was a great book by a man by the name of Miroslav Volk. And Volk wrote a book called Exclusion and Embrace. Exclusion and Embrace. And it's a thick book. It's a, it's a theological book on the exploration of reconciliation in the Bible. And the reality is every single person here can live their life with a demeanor of embrace or a demeanor of exclusion. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? It's that moment when you're in a conversation with somebody. Say it's, say it's just Major and I. We're just talking like we always do every Sunday. We're just talking. We're connected. And Lori comes walking up. There's that moment when you have when you're in a conversation with a person or a group of people and that other person walks up. What is your disposition like? Are you one of embrace and do you verbally invite them into the conversation? Or are you like some sourpuss, mean-spirited Christians? Let me just tell you something. Listen, some of the meanest people on planet Earth are Christians. And God loves them, and I'm trying to. <laughs> but what about new hopers? Are we of the embrace, or are we of the exclusion? I want to give you a metaphor, a powerful metaphor, that I don't think you're going to forget anytime soon. Jim Roberts tells a story that happened when he was in the fourth grade. And it happened actually to his son, Daniel, who was in the fourth grade. And Jim Roberts tells about this this game, if you will. Maybe some of you have played it. This game where the students in the class, and again, his son Daniel was in the class. The students in the class were all given balloons. So I'm going to need some backstage help. I'm going to need some backstage help. Give it up for my backstage brother. Give it up for my backstage brother. Uh, they told me that you guys would be able to tie these on your wrist. I was going to have people come out and tie, I mean, on your wrist, on your ankle. I was going to have people come out and do it, but I, I think you can do this. Here you go. Back up a little bit. Time on your, time on your, uh, yeah, there you go. So Jim Roberts tells the story of his son, Daniel, who was in the fourth grade, and the, the teacher explained the game. It was called the balloon stomp game. And the balloon stomp game was all the kids had the balloons tied to their ankle. And the goal of the game was that all the kids would come together and they would try to stomp out. Don't, don't, don't you scuff my shoes. Don't you scuff my... And they... Oh! Give it up for Major. He's the winner. Oh, my Lord. Major is no joke. All right, so, so come on back up here. Come on back up here. Now, the game, the game is a very 
Darwinian kind of game. It's kind of a survival of the fittest game. The goal of the game is if I destroy what you have, I end up at the top. I end up at the top of the food chain. I, I'm a winner. Jerry Rensfeld, I don't know if you know that name, but Jerry Rensfeld um, was in this game. And he tells when he was in that fourth grade class, and if you don't know who that is, you can research it later, but he was he was a, a, a man who won his fortune, earned his fortune, if you will, in the real estate world. He was also the owner of the Chicago Bulls and the White Sox, very popular guy. He was in this game, and he was about to the top. He was about to win when finally he gave up, disconnected himself from his balloon, gave it to another student for a carton of chocolate milk. Glory to God. <laughs> so Jim Roberts tells this story about how after that went down and there was a winner and his name was Major <laughs> in September 2017. He tells the story how the teacher then went and brought in another class. And the other class was a class of mentally challenged, handicapped children, if you will. And you know what I mean. I, I, need, I know we use that word carefully, but it was a mentally disabled, challenged, handicapped classroom, a special needs classroom, right? And they brought the kids in. And Jim Roberts says he immediately started to feel sick to his stomach. Like, this is not right. This, this is, this, I can't see this really go down. Can I get a few more balloons, please? A few more balloons from my backstage people. They'll be here in just a moment. I believe by faith. I believe in the name of Jesus. They are, they, hey! You winner, you. Let's go, Lori. Let's get back in the game. And he tells the story how he sat back and he watched this special needs class of students come in. And as he watched him, he just got this overwhelming sickness. He said he literally got sick to his stomach. And they explained the game to the special needs class, who was now going to play it with the other class. Everybody kind of started over. And when the game started, Jim Roberts says he saw one of the most beautiful things go down that he's ever seen. Because some of the kids, of course, they went back trying to stomp it. But he said the special needs children might not have understood the instructions quite well enough. And so they started actually helping one another. They would take their balloons. He said, and one girl took her balloon and she held it like a football player holding a kick. And, and, and go ahead, Major. Don't break my finger, man. Go ahead. Stomp my balloon. Pop it. Pop it. Pop it. Oh! And then, the, and, then, and, then he, and then they high-fived, he said, and then hold yours. And the little girl who did it for him, she went over and they changed the whole game. Come on. And he said he went from having this sick feeling in his stomach to tears rolling down his face because he saw these special needs children actually put on display that day a far better way to live your life. A far more godly way for you to live your 
life, not in a dog-eat-dog. And everything about our culture will teach you to be dog-eat-dog, top of the food chain, survival of the fittest, Darwinian. I'm going to destroy you so that I can be better. When in reality, God says, no, 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 no. You were created for embrace. You were created to embrace. Give it up for these folks. Give it up for them. And so the question that I would throw your way today is this. Very important question. What game are you going to play? What game are you going to play? Because here is the reality and the truth about your life and my life. You can choose to embrace people and live in authentic community, or you can choose to exclude people from your life and pretty much go it alone. Every single person here and every single person, wherever you're watching this, has that choice to embrace or to exclude. And I would imagine some of you are sitting there and you might be wondering, well, how how, how does this all fit into dangerous church? How can I be needed and known in the church? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Needed and known. Two primary avenues for which you can apply this message today. Everybody say serving teams. Everybody say life groups. Serving teams. Here's two ways that the Bible makes it clear, particularly in the book of Acts, but throughout the New Testament, that you can be needed and known. I want to talk to you today about Sunday serving teams. Sunday serving teams work together as family. Everybody say family. To serve the body of Christ so that together we can create environments for thousands of people to experience, reach, teach, and release. Sunday serving teams. Now we have serving teams that meet throughout the week as well, but I just want to talk to you today about serving teams. We had close to 6,000 people last Sunday throughout the movement. 6,000 people who came to church. I don't know if you've ever realized this or not, but it takes a lot of people to serve 6,000 people. Not only does it take, and I thought it was so cool that I had Major up here with his volunteer shirt on. It takes a lot of people to create these New Hope environments. You might say, how many? Again, I'm glad you asked. Hopetown Children's Ministry. Hopetown Children's Ministry requires, and this is for the whole movement. This is not just for the Durham campus. 50 teams, 320 volunteers. 50 teams. New Hope students. Requires 24 teams, 222 volunteers. I'm going to move through these quickly. First contact, 22 teams, 310 volunteers. And the adult worship, that which you see on stage and the productions and all that goes into all of that. 88 teams, 356 volunteers. Now, if you add all of that up. Globally, all campuses. That's 184 serving teams 
consisting of 1,218 volunteer opportunities to be needed and known. Now, this is where it's my job to ask you some hard questions. Are you on the team? Are, are you in the needed and are you on a serving team? Now, if you're just new here and you're just checking us out, this is not for you. We're so glad you're here. Just kind of lean in and, and kind of eavesdrop on us. But I'm talking about those of you who show up on a regular basis at any of our campuses. Could it be time? Could it be time that God is calling you to come out of the grandstands and get on the playing field of the greatest thing happening on planet Earth? Be needed, be known in our serving teams, and help us change the world with the power of the gospel. Could it be that it's time for you? And, and you're going, he ain't talking to me. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> Could it be that it's time for you to put a serving towel over your arm or a, or a black shirt with white letters that says, welcome here to serve, and you get on the field and you help us change the world? I'm not going to harp on it today, but I want to invite you in the game. So here's what I want you to do. Everybody take out the connect card. Everybody take out the connect card. Even if you don't mark the card, you just play along with me. Everybody take out the connect card and wave it around. Come on. Everybody got one in the chairs? And, 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 and I don't even know if we have any pews anymore in any of the campuses. I don't think we do. Get Pentecost. Get, get the wind. Get the wind flowing around this place. You guys are beautiful. Hope you're doing it all. Can wave it around. Now, put your name on here if you want to get in the game. I, I'm not going to harp. Write your name down and, and, and print. <laughs> I just said I'm not going to harp. And one sister said, please harp. That's somebody who serves knowing that we need all the help we can get the way we're growing. Print your name. Print. Please, some of you write like me. Print. Put your phone number and your email address, and just on the back side, just put what area, what serving team you want to get on. Children, students, first contact, or adult worship. Children, students, first contact, or adult worship. We have 1,218 volunteer opportunities. If you don't know which area and you'll serve wherever, just say, I'll serve anywhere. There's a pen in front of you. Grab it. If you won't, steal it in the name of Jesus. Take it somewhere during the week and drop it off. Maybe somebody will see it and they need a church home. What's the first area in which we can be needed and known? What is it? Serving teams. Here's a second. Second, and I'll start to wrap up. Life groups. Life groups. Life groups. Life groups are gatherings of 8 to 18 people who meet in homes to study the Word of God, fellowship, break bread, and do life together. Amen. Those folks are in life groups right there. Eight to 18 people, not 30. That's a small church. <laughs> not three, that's the triune God. But eight to 18 who study the word of God, fellowship, break bread, and do life together. Here's a few things you might want to know about our life groups. They are semester-based. Means they start in the fall, they end around uh, Christmas, and then they start in January, February, and they go through May. They're semester based, which is good news for some of you because some of you are like, I'm, I'm afraid. I don't want to get in a life group. I do not want to go to somebody else's house. I, what are they going to do? Are they, what, what are they going to do to me when I go to their house? And <laughs> I, what, what if I don't like it? Like, what, what if I don't like those people? Which, come on, let's keep it real. That's, that's, that's a possibility, right? That's why they're semester-based. So you get in one, but guess what? That bad boy's going to come to an end. And then you can decide whether you want to be in it next semester. Or you can say, huh, hasta la vista, people. I'm going to get another one. It's okay. 
It's a beautiful thing. There are three roles for leadership. It's the life group leader, the life group apprentice, and the life group host. Life group leader, life group apprentice, the one that will lead the next group when it grows and it multiplies, and the life group host. Here's how you do that today. How do you get in serving teams? Mark the connect card. How do you get in life groups? At every campus, we have a life group expo. Life group expo where you can walk out today at any of our campuses and there will be a life group expo for you to actually walk up to a table or a tent or whatever the case may be, connect with leaders that will help you find, or that's why I did the leadership roles, help you find or help you launch a brand new life group. Needed and what? Needed. Needed and, hey, I I feel this strong urging of the Holy Spirit right now to say this. And this this is not really a part of those two parts of the message. But I've been feeling this lately. As we're hiring staff all over the place and can't hire them fast enough with the way the church is growing and where we're going into the future. I just feel led to say this, and I have never said this in a, in a public message before. If you're here and you're discerning or maybe you're questioning whether or not you could be called to part-time or full-time ministry in the church, mark your connect card. Just, just mark Called to ministry, question mark, because it's a discernment process. One of the things I'm getting more and more convinced of is that we're going to find our greatest staff, our greatest diversity of staff. We're going to find it by raising it up inside our church and not necessarily going outside the church and looking amongst other churches for great staff. Because FYI, great pastor friends of mine, they're looking for staff just like we are. Many of you are business leaders, so you know this. Great staff are hard to come by. And some of you at any of our campuses might be called to ministry. And we have people now on our team who will journey with you and help you discern that. Here's the question. Are you going to live in a spirit and a posture of embrace? Or are you going to live your life Isolated and alone with a spirit and a posture of exclusion. Most of you know I I coach. I coach my my kids in sports, baseball, football, and basketball. And it's football season right now. And so this year I'm coaching another football team. And I'm trying to coach football in Chapel Hill. (laughs) And the sport is dying in places like Chapel Hill. Like we used to have three teams in the Carborough Chapel Hill area. Now we're down to one. And the team is like so small. Can, can I show you my football team from yesterday? Can I, can I show you our team from yesterday? <laughs> it looks like a basketball team. If you don't know sports that well, five people play basketball and 11 play football. 11. That's my team. That's all I got. And I think there's another picture. Look at it. There they are. It's, I got 13 people on my team. And the one kid right there on the right that didn't get suited up, he couldn't play because he, he, he exceeded the weight limit. 
So I went down to 12. Guys, it's going to be a tough football season. Now, granted, I know it doesn't matter if you win or lose, wreck ball, right? It doesn't matter, but we won yesterday. Um, and <laughs> and surely, surely doesn't matter what the score, never, never matters what the score is, just as long as you play the game, but, but we beat them 39 to nothing. Anyway, um, but, but I got to tell you, I'm a little worried about the season. Like, we need teammates. We need players. What if, what if somebody doesn't show up? What if somebody gets six? What if a family travels? Right, we're going to be playing teams that are three times our size. Now, granted, and this is what I keep telling my boys, my little pitiful crew, I'm like, guys, you can only put 11 on the field. But I'm thinking, dang, I wish I had some more on the sideline. <laughs> you, you can only put 11 on the field. But, like, we're going to need teammates. We need players. And I had this thought just yesterday as I was riding home from the football field. Check it out. We are never going to become the church God is calling us to be. We're never going to become a dangerous church that can charge the gates of hell and make a difference in this world if we don't get more teammates. More, come on, more players. More players to decide. I'm not going to be a person of exclusion. I'm going to be a person who embraces the gospel. I'm going to be a person who embraces God. I'm going to be a person who embraces all people. And I'm going to come out of the grandstands. And I'm going to get on the playing field. And I'm going to serve. And I'm going to do life with people. I'm going to be needed and known. You can do both serving teams or life groups. But for God's sake, do one of them. I'm going to be needed. And I'm going to be known. And I'm going to be fired up because I'm going to be in a church. That's changing the spiritual climate of planet Earth and the world in which we live in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. If you receive it and celebrate it, I want you to help me sign off. I'm going to hand it back off to the campus pastors. Everybody try to stay put at all of our locations. The campus pastors are going to come up and walk you through the details and the logistics of serving teams and life group expo at your particular campus. We love you guys, and we will see you next week, same time, same place. Give it up for them one more time, church. Sign off with me.